how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. In addition to the podcast, also make sure to search for the new video essay series on YouTube, also called Creative Principles, where we take a deep dive into movies and television. Join millions of viewers for subjects like the 16 personalities expressed as characters, Did Home Alone, Rowan John Hughes' Career, The Greatest Movie Never Made, and How Jackie Chan Creates Perfection Through Failure, among many more. That's Creative Principles on YouTube. James Morrissey's dad used to take him to the movies every weekend. That, plus he's the nephew of Christopher Reeve, inspired him to get into acting. You may have seen him in The Sex Lives of College Girls or American Horror Story, but now he's becoming more of a writer and director with films like Three Something and I Love My Dad. About 15 years ago, James and his dad were not talking. When he got home one day, he had a friend request from a pretty girl, but the girl turned out to be his dad. This is a true story and the subject behind his latest film, which stars Pat Oswald, Lil Rel Howery, and Rachel Dratch. In this interview, James talks about emotional truths in filmmaking, what it means to have narrative authority, how pitching is like poker, how to say no when you don't feel 100% on a project. I've been making movies since I was a little kid. Um, I've always, my dad used to take me to the movies every weekend and uh, I, I just always loved them. And it was, I was always just a goofball growing up. I wasn't great at school. I was always I just loved movies. Uh, my uncle was also the actor, Christopher Reeve. Uh, and so I grew up really looking up to him and admiring his work. Uh, and so when I realized I could do it as a job, I really started to pursue it and um, started making a lot of videos and then went to USC to study uh, theater and film and uh, started working as an actor and then also making a lot of my own stuff and, and kind of went from there. Do you see them as like very different hats, acting, writing, directing, or do you kind of see it as, as one, you know, uh, grouping of things in terms of like storytelling? I really see it uh, di differently depending on the story. Uh, I see it like, how can I add the most creative value to each project that I'm considering? Uh, and I, I look at it project by project. With I Love My Dad, I felt like, uh, all three jobs were kind of integrated in a way. I wanted to have my hands creatively. Um, I, I wanted to be involved 
as involved as I could possibly be. I wanted to have as much creative skin in the game um, across these three positions. And, um, and I look at them all, you know, that they're all being led by the same light of how can we tell the story as authentically and as fully as possible. What was kind of the origin? Like where did that idea come from for the, your latest film? Uh, it came from something that happened to me a long time ago, probably 15 years ago. Uh, I got in a big fight with my dad. Uh, I decided to block him on social media. And around that time, I was going through a lot of personal stuff. I wouldn't talk with him about any of it. I got home one day. It's really pretty girl. had sent me a friend request online. She was beautiful, had all the same interests as me. And it turned out to be my dad. And, uh, I wanted to take this kind of kernel of something that happened to me and uh, see how much further it could go and explore my relationship with my dad through that context and also really dive into my experiences around uh, just what it means to really want to connect with someone, uh, what it means to be judging someone really harshly and then to see them as a more a uh, nuanced, complex human being. Um, you know, it, 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 the, the context for this story really spoke to me on, on many different levels and, and felt like the right, uh, the right story for me to tell at the time. Did you feel like there were necessary changes to make because it was based on a true story in terms of like your dad as a character, you as a character, did you kind of go broad with some of those to make it different or what were some of your ideas about that? I definitely, I definitely took as much creative license as I needed to tell a story that was uh, as emotionally honest and gripping as it could possibly be. But I was also wanting to make a film that was entertaining, that was uh, dyna as dynamic as possible. So I gave myself complete freedom to roam uh, and, and and license to to exaggerate things or to take story in a different direction but my guiding light through all of it was that i wanted it to feel emotionally true to me and 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 uh and and i wanted it to feel true uh even though i took license in terms of what was literally true did the fact that that kernel of truth was there did that help you with pitches is that something you use to kind of bring on some of these actors and, and get everything made I really believe in having narrative authority around stories you're telling. And so the fact that I, so much of the story uh, was inspired by my own experience, it gave me a real window into these people's lives and into the, the meaning of the story overall. It, it felt like I was uniquely qualified to tell this story. And I think that, uh, partners that I brought on to helping me tell this story uh, felt the same way. Were there other factors in that? So I see you've got a couple of shorts you've made, you've done another movie called um, Threesome maybe a few years ago. Like, was there other things you did to create a little bit more leverage for yourself in addition to the authentic, you know, authentic, authenticity you kind of just mentioned there? I'm trying to think of like how other young writers and directors can kind of relate to your story and getting in those meetings. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I wanted to 
before I brought it to folks, I wanted them to be able to see the movie that I was trying to make. And so I brought out uh, a deck that was very uh, extensive to, to people. I, I had storyboarded a lot of the film already. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be able to walk through the the movie with the people that I was trying to bring on board. Uh, I think the fact that I had a lot of experience directorially prior to this film was definitely helpful. That started with me making a web series a long time ago and then mm-hmm. making my first feature three something. Um, and then, and it helped me, it helped me convince other people that I was going to be able to execute this on a much larger scale than I had previously. Do you think other things you were um, thinking in terms of mindset? It sounds like if you're going so far as to make this storyboard that you're at least personally fully committed to this. I'm trying to think about those people who who can't finish their first script or whatever it is. Like, what was your mindset to take this across the finish line? You're ultimately asking a lot of other people to take a big risk uh, right. when you're when you're wanting to bring them into a creative endeavor. And so you really need to be able to show them that you're the one taking the most risk and that you have you you are you're completely bought in to to the story you're trying to tell. You're willing to put it all on the line. It's it's like a game of poker, really. It's a confidence game. Uh, If you're not putting everything, all your chips on the table, then it leaves people wondering, well, why aren't you? willing to to do everything you can to bring this to reality and so that was definitely a decision i made with this story i'm willing to make this no matter what no matter what you know whether or not we get a big actor whether or not we get the financing i I was prepared to make it for a hundred grand if i really needed to Uh, and i think that other people that i was talking to about the project could tell that that's how I felt about this mm-hmm. and that if they didn't start taking it, if they didn't take it as seriously as I was taking it, uh, that I was just going to end up making it. There, there was kind of that, uh, it, it was like this, you know, it creates this fear of missing out and this realization that the train is moving. And so a lot of my work, I, I, I found that a lot of my work is calibrating when to put my foot in on the gas in that way and mm-hmm. to fully commit to something. Um, and to try to limit the amount of times I'm hedging on multiple things at once. Uh, I have a lot of opportunity coming my way at the moment. And the biggest challenge has just been saying no to anything I don't feel 100% on uh, and, and trying not to have a bunch of irons in the fire. That has never really worked for me personally. Uh, what I believe in is picking one thing and seeing it to completion and and being willing to die on the hill creatively of whatever you've set your mind to. Have you, as an actor, being on different sets, is this kind of advice that you've learned over time? Are there mentors you look to? Like, how did you kind of come to this conclusion, which could take people a much longer to come to about going all in? I think I've looked to my favorite creatives and I've, I've just seen that they're, they believe in themselves more than anyone else. Uh, and they're, they just, yeah, they, they have, uh, incredible belief in themselves. And then I've looked to 
other people and seeing what not to do. People that are just willing to kind of do whatever comes their way, that are checking in with everyone else to see uh, if they like it. And I'm I'm just less interested in those creatives uh, because it feels like, um, I, I don't know, I, I, I just, I... It, it just, I, I guess I've just looked inside myself. You know, I've, I'm a, I meditate a lot. I journal a lot. I really just try to follow my own intuition as much as I can. And it's just always, it, it's always felt weird if I'm just kind of um, not fully committing. It, I can feel that within myself. And it gives me this weird feeling of stasis that I try to avoid. Um and I've just always believed in progress, not perfection creatively, uh, and, and being willing to just continue to move forward, even if I don't know all of the answers right away. It's, it's, a, it's, I think I developed a willingness to kind of fail forward at an early age creatively and just go, we'll figure it out as we go along. We can't try to figure it out, uh, figure it all out ahead of time. Mm-hmm. What were some of your initial conversations with Pat Oswalt like? I mean, were you talking about your dad or you just talking about the character? Was there, um, you know, kind of a, a, a fusion type connection between you two because you are going to be acting together? What were some of those ideas like? So Patton loved the script. That helped. He watched my first film, Three Something. So was excited about what I was able to do directorially. And then it was just a matter of, uh, talking through a lot of our favorite films together and and really getting on the same page about what I was intending to do with this film and hearing his kind of hearing about his personal connection to the material, what he was most excited about doing and how we could um, how we could just amplify that quotient of excitement for him uh, and really make it as rewarding a creative experience for him as well. Um, And so it was kind of uh, those conversations were really about defining what we were most excited about and how we could just make that the focus uh, of everything we did moving forward. Hmm. Well, so I imagine there's, there's different budgets between this film and threesome. What were some of the things, not like monetarily wise, but what were some of the things you did differently, maybe with a higher budget or with some bigger names attached? Like what did you do to maximize that on film? If that makes sense. Because there's, there, there were so many more resources on this film. There's also a lot more risk involved. Mm -hmm. So you have to be a lot more careful. There's less room, I think for experimentation. You, You have to be a lot more precise with three something it was such a, it was a micro budget film. So our emphasis was on exploration, figuring it out as we went uh, and, and just kind of following whatever creative whim we had day to day and uh, just giving ourselves free reign creatively because there really wasn't much on the line and it was our time and our money for the most part. Uh, with this film, I'm dealing with, a, you know, hundreds of people's time, uh, a lot of money, uh, you know, in, in, you know, compared to three something. Right. Um, and, um, and so I felt great responsibility to create a product that was going to, be able to make those people's money back and also be uh, entertaining. And you're also working with a very limited 
a specific timeline. You have these actors for this amount of time, you, you know, you have this amount of days of production and there's not a lot of wiggle room. So you just, your level of intention out, my level of intentionality throughout this process was much greater. I wanted to make sure that I was getting everything I needed every day and really making the most out of that production time. Um, but, you know, because you have, a, I had a real budget on this and, and real partners, I was able to bring in uh, collaborators that I was a fan of and, and there was a lot more buy-in creatively from everyone else around me. And I, I wasn't having to uh, constantly reconvince everyone that it was a worthwhile endeavor. Everyone was all in for the amount of time that we were working on the project. Was there any difficulties uh, in terms of, it seems like, and, and this is kind of maybe a, a comedy drama. So they don't really make many like straight comedies anymore. Patton is kind of, maybe more comedy, but he also does drama. So he kind of fits in that middle category. Did any of that make it complicated? Are you having to describe tone and some of those things when you are pitching a, a movie that is somewhat of a comedy? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I had certain comps that I would use to describe this. Uh, you know, there, there are, I feel like there's been a lot of dark comedies by this point. So that, that I, I was able to, valence the way that I was thinking about the story in a very specific way when I was positioning it to potential partners. Um, and, you know, I, but I, but I think, I think just having that deck um, and, and having and sharing my previous work gave a real sense of what I was aiming to do uh, to the people that I was hoping to bring on board. Uh, I didn't, I, I tried not to get too in my head about exactly what genre this is. A mm. lot of those marketing considerations came much later in the process. Are there any particularly difficult steps in the writing process? Uh, Cause one thing you're doing that's unique, it's like, so it's a dad catfishing the son purposely or not. You actually do have the, you know, fictional girl, which I think makes it more visually appealing. What were some of those things you did that, kind of made the movie stand out from other things we've seen before? Uh, early on, I wanted to define the motor, the emotional motor of the story, which is that the that this dad is really worried about his son and will do whatever it takes to make sure that he's okay. I think that gives him uh, a, a longer leash morally mm -hmm. to, to do something wrong for the right reasons. That was right. really exciting to me. And so I wanted to see how far I could push that. I had to continually remind myself throughout the writing process that this was his intention to make sure his son was okay. And, and then extrapolate from there, how, how could I put him in situations where his decisions are untenable and, and where he's really rubbing up against, um, how uncomfortable he is having made these decisions. That was what was kind of uh, the creative thrill of the whole thing for me. In terms of um, Franklin's online girlfriend materializing, uh, I, I loved the idea of there being this extra level of irony where he's talking to this person he thinks is this incredible girl and and the audience is almost having to continually remind themselves that that girl is actually his dad 
Um, and I, I just, I loved that. We're so primed as an audience to, to watch when we're watching a, a romantic interaction on screen to be rooting for it. And so I loved what it did for me as I was writing it, as I was feeling myself wanting it to work out for these two characters, but then also there being this whole, this, this, this other layer to it that was just weird and that I couldn't wrap my head around. It, it kept, it, I, I just love that. And I knew it couldn't just be screens for an hour and a half. I wanted right. to attack. I wanted to to show what it feels like when we're interacting with people digitally um, and, and as opposed to what it literally is. Yeah. What, um, what were some of those movies you and you and Patton looked to or talked about? It seems like based on what you just said, it may be some cringe comedies or something like that. What were some of those you talked about? We definitely talked a lot about cringe comedies, Ruben Oslin's films. Um, we talked about some kind of uh, like morally complicated movies like Oscar Ferrati's movies. Uh, he did a movie this last year called A Hero, which was br pretty brilliant. Uh, and then, you know, we, we were mostly talking about tone throughout and how that tone changes uh, as we become more and more rooted in the characters' perspectives. I wanted the beginning to have this kind of uh, neutrality where, where I was kind of staying out of the way directorially. A lot of uh, static shots, just really telling the story as clearly and as cleanly as I possibly could. And then as the story moves forward and as the world starts to feel like it's closing in on the characters, I, I started adopting more handheld, tighter shots. I wanted it to feel more frenetic. Uh, I think Uncut Gems shoots in that way, especially near the end where everything feels really tight and frantic. Um, and, and that's really the headspace that Patton's character Chuck is in, uh, especially near the end. And it becomes more impressionistic as he's as the walls are kind of closing in on him. Are there things you do differently than maybe when you were taught or learning how to screenwrite? When you're writing with the plan that you plan to direct, does your is it different on the page? Do you have notes elsewhere, or are they just more in your head? Or do you kind of have those those ideas about your direction and some of that? It's a great question. It's something that I'm kind of figuring out now that I've made this movie and that I'm, I am really writing to direct. Um, I think I'm trying to give myself a longer leash uh, where I'm not necessarily just writing for a company to hopefully buy the script or to come on board. I want, I, I'm more so writing from a place of what would I be most excited to, to see on screen. And I'm, I'm trying to, uh, but, but more than anything, it comes down to like, what is the concept of the movie? And is that concept something that I want to commit three years of my life to? Is it, is it going to be meaningful enough to me? Is there enough there? Is it unusual or unique and, and exciting enough for me to, to commit that amount of time and energy to, and, and where I'm willing to put everything else on my life on hold to, to make this thing when I was younger, I think I was just willing to write scripts and kind of see what happened and where they went. You know, I would kind of chase all the creative rabbits at once. Now I think I'm a, I'm more intentional uh, 
where when I, I want to be clear with myself that when I pull a trigger creatively on something, I'm, I'm, I want to be willing to follow it all the way to the end. And, um, you know, when the concept is strong, you're able to believe in it a lot more. But if, if the concept is weak, it puts way too much emphasis on the execution. And I, 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 you know, I think it just, it makes everything else from that point a lot harder. For those kind of not familiar, what, what are some of those timelines in terms of concept, first draft, uh, some of those early meetings, and then what was your like shoot time in the end of it? It really varies from project to project. On this one, uh, I wrote, uh, I outlined it over the course of a month or so. I wrote a very fast first draft, really just for myself so that I could understand the story. Uh, and then I broke that down. I re-outlined it. I then wrote another draft, polished that, you know, we're probably four or five months in from that initial concept. By that point, I then shared it with a small group of people, got their feedback, you know, cut to uh, eight months after that initial concept. Uh, then I'm sharing it with potential financiers. I, I, I'm, I'm of the mindset that if I believe in something creatively, I I try not to hedge. So I'll, I'll, I was reaching out to literally everyone I knew with the script and, and just, just, you know, I was at, I was reaching out to people who I knew had some money. I was reaching out to people that I knew had relationships with actors. I was reaching out to production companies that I'd met with. I, I was putting the script in the contests and competitions. I was really just, exploring every possible avenue for this thing to, to become real. So you mentioned like a poker analogy and also having the confidence to kind of get to that level. Would you say part of what gave you that in addition to your experience is just putting everything into the script? I mean, you, you knew when you were doing these things that it's the best it can be. Is that kind of how you were thinking about it? I knew for this first movie that, it was all going to come down to the quality of the script. I didn't have any big movies under my belt. I had never worked with any major names or anything. So it was really going to come down to the strength of that script. And so that script needed to be um, as, as good as possible. And so I, I was willing to put, uh, you know, do draft after draft after draft and, and get it to a place where I could stand behind every single moment in the story. Uh, that level of investment is tough because you definitely hit your own creative limits and you have to remind yourself that unless it's better than your best, uh, you, it, it has to be undeniable. It, you, you have to know that it's so strong that when you walk into a room and you're trying to talk about it, there's this feeling that other people would be lucky to be involved. And, and that mm-hmm. takes uh, so that you, you, you erase any insecurity or, or self-doubt because you believe in it so strongly. And I think that belief really is infectious to, to those you speak with about a project. We'll just do uh, one or two more. If you were to, to kind of go back five or six years, is there any common bad advice you think writers hear or any false beliefs you had earlier in your career that you now know is no longer true? Gosh, any bad advice? Um, I think, I mean, I don't, I, that's a great question. Bad advice. I, I don't, I don't, 
I don't know. I guess I would just, any bad advice I heard, I would, I, I would just try to listen to like, does it resonate with me? Am I excited about that way of doing things? And I would do the things that I was excited to try and, and, and I would just try to follow my excitement through every stage in the process. Um, I, I think the idea of there being screenwriting rules or there being some sort of rule book is uh, detrimental as a younger writer uh, because then you're trying to do it right. And I, I, you know, I think there are, there's a lot you can learn, but then you kind of have to forget about it as much as you can and, uh, and use it more, use these ideas of rules and, um, structure and stuff more as creative, uh, guardrails. And, and they're useful when you feel like you're lost, but not so useful when you're, excited and you feel like you're on a path uh i have to continually remind myself that my excitement is the thing that is the movie and the experience people will have when watching the movie uh there it's kind of a different part of your brain when you're thinking about it in terms of uh what is the right way to do this um and um but yeah, yeah. I mean, the best advice I think I would give myself five or six years ago would be, uh, you know, read as many scripts as you can. So somebody gave me the advice, read 300 scripts, go screenwriter by screenwriter uh, and read all of their work and start to understand how they're approaching storytelling and, and notice the similarities between their scripts and, and start to kind of just uh, borrow you know, borrow those things and, and learn from uh, other artists as much as you can. Uh, and then, you know, be willing to fail really. You know, I gave myself, I, I made a deal with myself early on that I was going to make probably, you know, I was going to hopefully make as many movies in my career as I can. And they're not all going to be, they're not all going to be amazing. Uh, so it was a matter of just deciding upon an idea and finishing it as best as I could and, um, and, and move on to the next one. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the show. So many great lessons on screenwriting there. If you're looking for some more information though, some more about the craft of writing for television, uh, we have a new chorus called Script Mastermind, where we have 21 of our proven experts telling you how to write for television, how to write a screenplay, how to break in, things like that. Uh, this includes shows of Gordon Levitt, Judd Apatow, also the writers of shows like Handmaid's Tale, Mosquito Coast, Hunters, Solar Opposites, Resident Alien, WandaVision, the list goes on and on. Check that out. Uh, you can get this all right now for $1 at scriptmastermind.com television. That is the television screenwriting masterclass. It is at scriptmastermind.com slash television. We'll see you next time with a new episode.